Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. My new book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, is now out on Amazon Kindle and paperback. I'm currently in production of the audiobook, so you'll be the first to know when that is out as well. Um, links will be in the show notes, so check it out if you're interested. Interested. We hear it so much that it feels like a buzzword, but it is far from it. Climate change is a real and serious issue. Scan data from SNAP's reconnaissance flight confirms Finn's report. They've somehow created a hyperlightspeed weapon built within the planet itself. How is it possible to power a weapon of that size? It uses the power of the sun. As the weapon is charged, the sun is drained until it disappears. Future without air travel. How are we supposed to get around the vast expanses of, say, Alaska during the winter? Well, I'll tell you how. Tauntauns, Mr. President. This is a beloved species of reptile mammals native to the ice planet of Hoth. Now, while perhaps not as efficient in some ways uh, as airplanes or as snowmobiles, these hairy bipedal species of space lizards offer their own unique benefits. Not only are tauntauns carbon neutral, but according to a report a long time ago, and issued far, far away. They may even be fully recyclable and usable for their warmth, especially on a cold night. How dare you? Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern-day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. This episode is titled, Jabba's Carbon Tax. 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 So why does every planet in Star Wars have just one climate? I've wondered this for a long time. You seem to either get desert planets, snow planets, jungle planets, or water planets. It's a cool concept but it definitely flies in the face of Earth in its multiple climates existing on the same planet at the same time. I've never thought much about the origins of these planets and why they are the way they are. My belief was that they just had always existed that way with the given climate and that was that. But oh no, there's so much more to these planets' histories than meets the eye. And of course, most of the backstories of how the planets became the way they are were due to, you guessed it, Climate change. Great. Not even Star Wars is safe from this crap. 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 
So, on this episode, I'd like to go through a few Star Wars Planet examples for you. The information I've found for these comes from Wikipedia, the Star Wars Universe equivalent of Wikipedia, but I definitely trust it significantly more than Wikipedia, to be honest. To be honest. To be honest. Most of these examples have sources and references from books in either the pre-Disney or post-Disney eras. I doubt that many of you will care whether or not Disney considers these to be accurate or not. Let's start with Jakku. This is the desert planet shown in the sequel trilogy, most famously known to be the home planet of Rey, the main protagonist from the sequel trilogy. Quote, An isolated planet located in the Jakku system within the western reaches of the galaxy's inner rim. Jakku was once a verdant world with forests and water, but some past calamity turned it into a barren globe of scorched badlands and marching dunes." Unquote. Now let's go back to the prequel era and talk about the planet Utapau, most famously known as the location of the battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi and General Grievous in Revenge of the Sith. Quote, In the 10,000 year span before the Clone Wars, the planet's climate began to change, causing stronger and stronger hyperwind storms. This caused the civilizations to move underground. Unquote. Let's stay there in the prequel area and talk about Kamino, the watery planet where the clone army was created, in the place that Boba Fett has been revisiting in his dreams and visions in the new series about him. Quote, the stormy water world of Kamino was located in the wild space region beyond the outer rim. The planet had three moons orbiting the planet itself. The planet was composed of a molten core with a rocky mantle and silicate rock crust. Climate change had long ago submerged the planet's continents, drowning the planet under a global ocean that covered almost all of the surface, with a few islands left that were once mountaintops. Around 19,000 before the Battle of Yavin, dramatic climate shifts began to melt the extensive glaciers of Kamino. As a result of resourceful adaptation, the Kaminoans survived the great flood of their planet's continents, and they used cloning to keep themselves sustained." Unquote. Most, of the source blah, blah, blah. Most of the source material for this referenced flood comes from the novel Darth Plagueis, which detailed Palpatine in his early years in his rise in the Senate and in the Dark Side. As I have just recently purchased this book, I have the quotes right here for you. I know that you're super excited about more quotes about climate change. Climate change. Climate change. This is a, a quote about an acquaintance of Palpatine. Quote, He had hired the Kaminoans to grow clones from biological samples he procured through brokers of genetic materials. The glassy eyes, long necks, and sleek bodies of the bipedal indigenous species spoke to a marine past, though in fact they had once been land dwellers for millions of years preceding a great flood that had inundated Camino. With global catastrophe looming, most technologically advanced sentient species would have abandoned their homeworld and reached for the stars. But the Kaminoans had instead constructed massive stilt cities that were completed even while the oceans of their world were rising and submerging the continents. They had also turned their considerable intellect to the science of cloning as a means of ensuring the survival of their species, and along the way they had taken genetic replication farther than any known species in the galaxy." End quote. 
it's interesting that none of these planets we just mentioned existed organically. There had to be some sort of catastrophic event to get them to the current climate that we see them exist in, in the films. In my mind, it's an unnecessary overreach, meant to slowly poison our minds towards this climate change psyop, and get us to live in fear of a similar catastrophe on our planet. On our planet. On our planet. Now, there are a few other minor references of climate change. The minor planet called Nelvon was plunged into an ice age which caused devastating climate change, and many of the monstrous creatures called Reeks died off on the Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk due to climate change. Also Jeddah City, which was shown in the movie Rogue One, it held a vast array of kyber crystals, which were used to power lightsabers and even the Death Star. But troops sent there to retrieve kyber crystals were unable to because of climate change. Now let's talk about the most popular planet in Star Wars, Tatooine. We all know this planet as the home world of Luke Skywalker, the Tusken Raiders, the Jawas, the Cantina, and of course the vile gangster, Jabba the Hutt. But did you know about the origin story behind how Tatooine came to be the way it was? Well, I'll tell you two different versions that we know. The canon Disney-approved version is that, quote, Long ago, Tatooine was covered in oceans and rainforests, but for unknown reasons, it became a hot desert world, end quote. But years ago, before Disney took over, a crazier story existed. Quote, Tatooine was once a lush world that had large oceans and a world-spanning jungle inhabited by the native and technologically advanced Kamunga species. Against the elders' wishes, they colonized nearby star systems and this drew the attention of the Rakata. The Rakata Infinite Empire invaded the planet, conquered and enslaved its native inhabitants, and then abducted many of them to other worlds. After a terrible plague weakened the Rakata, the Kamunga eventually rebelled and managed to drive the Rakata off the planet. In response, they subjected the planet to an orbital bombardment that glassed, or fused the silica in the soil into glass, which then broke up over time into sand, and it boiled the oceans away. This change split the indigenous Kamunga species into two races, the Tusken Raiders and the Jawas, end quote. Pretty crazy story there. So basically, the Disney-approved version of the story is for vague climate change reasons. The planet was a vast desert and was no longer a plentiful paradise. But the earlier version tells us that it was caused by the after-effects of war. I buy this approach more and more than a climate change agenda, mostly because this war angle is used in Star Wars to describe several other planets in their climates being what they are. It's probable to me, in our world, that most of the devastation inflicted on the environment is caused by war, and also by the factories of the rich and powerful that pump toxic pollution into the air. Conveniently, these are the same a-holes who are telling us that they have the way to fix it all. Ironic. 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 Other planets in Star Wars that were decimated by war. Ilum, aka Starkiller Base, in The Force Awakens. This planet was stripped of its natural resources and converted into a superweapon by the First Order. 
The weapon itself stole power from nearby suns to convert into destructive firepower. Which is a perfect analogy for many things in our world. The elites want to draw all the light out from the world and use that stolen light energy to destroy the world. Also, the planet Mandalore, which is the home planet of the Mandalorian race. Quote, Mandalore was a hot and arid world, though it was hospitable enough to hold life and let a race of people thrive. It became much more toxic the longer it existed, as with every war, the Mandalorians had to start finding new ways to adapt the environment, eventually becoming so toxic that they could no longer survive on the surface of the planet. End quote. And another one, Moraband, the homeworld of the Sith. Quote, a world of mountains and red sands, Moraband was abandoned after widespread devastation during numerous wars. End quote. Even the minor planet Nelvon, which we discussed earlier, had been plunged into an ice age because a nearby military base fed off all the thermal energy in the area, which led to the climate crisis. Climate crisis. Climate crisis. Now let's talk about climate change and money. We know that most of the climate change discussion focuses around money in our world. To accomplish all these objectives, money is needed. Money is needed from corporate and country sponsors, and money is needed from those who don't adhere to climate change standards, aka a carbon tax. A carbon tax. A carbon tax. In Star Wars, Jabba the Hutt implemented his own version of a carbon tax but it was called a water tax. On Tatooine, the water was sparse and farmers had to harvest the water from the air or dig up black melons from the ground that held moisture. Jabba in the comic book series Star Wars number seven from 2015 sent his goons around to nearby farming villages and required them to give him the water that they harvested. This occurred during the time before A New Hope and Obi-Wan had been seeing firsthand the trouble caused by this tax. Here's some quotes, quote, The water tax was a form of taxation imposed on the moisture farmers of Tatooine. Jabba's enforcers collected water from the farmers, sometimes by force, on behalf of their master. According to rumors, Jabba used the water to be constantly bathed, but these rumors were false. According to Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi, Jabba never bathed. The story opens with members of Jabba's criminal empire brutalizing a moisture farmer. The farmer implores them not to take his water because he needs to trade it for food in order to feed his children. A Weequay enforcer dares the man to confront Jabba before hitting him with the butt of a rifle. The Weequay warns the other moisture farmers that they will be returning tomorrow to collect more water taxes and suggests that they get back to work. In his journal, Kenobi writes that this was the worst drought anywhere on Tatooine especially with Jabba's enforcers collecting water taxes, end quote. Of course, Jabba didn't really need this water. He was just using it as a control mechanism in a way to impose his rule on the people. 
He wasn't doing anything philanthropic with the water. He was probably just wasting it at lavish parties or for whatever reason he wanted. The same can be said for carbon tax collected by the government. Do you really think they are doing anything noble with these funds like reinvesting them into key projects? Probably not. Also, the ones guilty of climate crimes sarcasm, are probably no different than these Tatooine farmers. They are just told that they need to be in compliance, and they need to pay with more money or more goods. Let's end this episode with a pretty hilarious mockery of the climate change agenda that happened in the U.S. Senate in 2019, which had an interesting Star Wars tie-in. You heard the audio I played before the intro earlier. Senator Mike Lee from Utah talked about a future without air travel, something that is frowned upon in the Green New Deal, in which he posited the idea that tauntauns would be needed to traverse the icy plains of Alaska as a carbon-neutral alternative to air travel. He went on to make a similar analogy with Aquaman for Hawaii, where Aquaman had to ride around using dolphins. While silly and preposterous, his point is well taken. What is the alternative to modern travel or other modern necessities if our way of life is diminished by decrees meant to, quote, keep us safe from the climate? As we've always talked about, anything that politicians push to keep us safe is likely anything but. In my mind, this climate agenda is a cash grab and a virtue signal. The elites will grab more and more money, and we won't know where it goes. They'll tell us what we need to do while maintaining their current lifestyles, a la Jabba the Hutt. Look no further than what they use to fly around to all the climate change meetings across the world. Air travel, private jets. The hypocrisy is hilarious. We're starting to see a shift towards climate change now that people are starting to grasp the COVID control scheme. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. In closing, keep your eyes peeled for the further rollout of this climate agenda. If it's creeping into Star Wars, it'll most likely be creeping into all other aspects of media, TV, and movies as well. May the Force be with you, and God bless. And God bless. And God bless.